0: It's a nice
1: Sunday morning here. With the average shows the MMA show today. Here, <laughs> today is not necessarily about the MMA. Today it's not a podcast. Podcast, a podcast about everything and the podcast about nothing, all at the same time. David Van Buren here with his boy Ryan Dempsey. Brother, how are you doing this morning?
2: How? Oh. Uh, yeah, like I, said, I was just saying to you you know, Friday night care I came up here around six o'clock at some point of Windsor tomorrow. So then I had a six hour marathon of running around, getting everything ready, hitting bed around, you know, quarter to one, waking up for about four o'clock, get ready for work, so worked uh worked out with three and a half or so hours sleep. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, finished work, got running around the apartment, sat down, recorded a fight show with you, and then realized that Oh, Christ, I haven't, I, I'm on 21 hours, <laughs> two hours sleep. I should probably go to bed. I slept for a good, solid 10 hours awesome. and woke up and I feel like a newborn baby right now. I Energy pressed, to go. I'm vitalized. Yeah.
1: Well, last, I mean, last night we had, we had, a, uh, it was it was so much fun last night. It was just you and I for the uh, for the fight night, for the companion, whatever we want to call it. i uh, I'd, I'd Called in last minute, and I didn't give him really much notice. I tried to get some, some guests on last minute. I tried to get Dale, but Dale was was tied up, and, and Eric was tied up, Everett was tied up. A lot of people were tied up last night, so I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter. Ryan and I can can handle this down, and it went so smooth. It really did.
2: Yeah, it was really fun. Like <clears throat> I wasn't really sure how it was going to work, because I had never done one of these before. You know, mostly if, I, Obviously, I've sat around with friends and watched fights in the past, mm-hmm. but... Never really recorded anything. You don't know really where it's going to go. You, you're going to watch the fights. You're going to talk about it, but also conversation is going to go well. like so, You know, we talked about McGregor. We talked oh, yeah. about some food. You know, we, we we touched on some other things, but it was like it was definitely really fun. We uh, and I think I stayed mostly on topic of the fights so as best I could.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I found this one to be one of my one of my it probably my favorite one to date, and I had the most fun. It, it flew by quick for me because. It wasn't just us sitting there saying the whole time, just saying, okay, right hand, okay, now left. We weren't just calling play-by-play play the whole time. We were talking about the fights. Right. So we were giving updates on the fights. So we were letting everything know, but we were also, it was also a casual conversation where, you know, while there was a lull in the fight where nothing was really going on, we would talk about something else, and we'd, you know, we'd talk about cooking or wrestling or movies or, you know, we'd we'd right. bring other stuff into it, but... You know, as soon as something good happened we'd bring it home and talk about the fight too. So I mean we had constant constant action going the whole time. Many topics, many stuff going much stuff going on. It was uh there was no dead sound, you know, there was no dead air really at all. Like right, we, we yeah. kept everything going, dude. It was it was a great one.
2: Yeah, I mean for uh for a card that you know, as like we discussed last night, it only had four fights but mm-hmm decisions and then you also had the, the the main the main uh main event went midway into the third round so you almost yeah. had you know you, you had like you know what it was a, almost an hour's worth of fighting plus the intros plus the backstage stuff that they do yeah it flew by and it didn't take until we uh we disconnected and i saw they on, on skype and it was three hours and two minutes and I was like, yeah it did not it seemed like the fights flew by despite going the distance for the most part and and everything else was happening. I mean, is it we did we went from just before eight to just after eleven.
0: Yeah,
1: did the not uh, feel like at all. No the official time for the podcast the record time is like two hours and forty seven minutes. So Yeah. I mean we had a few minutes of talk before we started recording in a few minutes I mean, very short time after because I After two hours and 47 minutes and almost three bottles of water, I had to piss so bad I couldn't fucking hold it anymore. I was like, bro, I gotta go right now. I'm out.
2: Well, you're gonna go right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have the bladder of a pregnant woman, I swear. (laughs) I, I do that all the time when we're sitting down here, uh, recording. I mean, we're just doing a two hour show, and I'll drink, you know, I'll drink a cup of coffee and a bottle of water during. This the two-hour show during the first hour. By the second hour, it comes, and like, Jeff, hold it down for me, and I got around run upstairs and piss so bad. Fucking hold right. it hold it down, dude. You and Ryan, hold it down. I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. I just, I don't know.
2: I can't. got to get to either, uh, <laughs> uh some adult diapers or one of those uh wizenators. One of those
1: bladder, th- those uh, external bladders for the stadium things.
2: Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I can do, you know. I can just imagine, like, you're, you'll be, like, so, you know, Jeff or I will be talking to me, and all of a sudden, you'll in the background, and <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like what's going on over there?
1: I'm good
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh so I wanted to talk about uh we we post I posted the uh, the the fight night last night uh, pretty quick. I posted it within about an hour hour and a half after the fights were over and we already got you know we got some social media likes, we got some social media shares even last night and up to this morning, but uh, for me, the cool part was the SoundCloud downloads. Um, We don't typically get the majority of our downloads directly from SoundCloud, right? Majority of our stuff comes off iTunes. Uh, iTunes first and foremost, that's our biggest download center. Whereas, like, if we get... 25 from SoundCloud, we'll get 250 from iTunes. That's just how it's always been. Um, right. And the flight nights typically it, that we do only get, you know, maybe one or two, maybe three or four, maybe five downloads that night and even the next day. And, but we've already cleared like almost 50 on SoundCloud already. Oh, wow. I mean, we've, the numbers are are Excellent. Excellent. So that's, amazing. that's
2: good. Man. I like yeah, to hear that.
1: Yeah. So I haven't checked any. I haven't checked Google Play. I haven't checked Stitcher. I haven't checked Podcast.com. I haven't checked iTunes. I haven't checked all of our other outlets that I've tied us into, but just our direct SoundCloud numbers are, are outstanding. And you know, ever since um, I went ahead and booked Jesse Reasoner to come on, our likes have picked up. Our traffic has picked up. Our downloads have picked up. He's really done. I mean, I was just trying to do a favor to him. Just do a favor for the kid and do a favor for his family and, you know, try to make, to shed light on the fact that, you know, uh, to teach him a a lesson of don't let this, you know, use it as armor, not as as bait. Don't, you know, uh, own up to it. I was just trying to do them a favor. And the fact is they really did us a favor in return. Right. Right. Yeah, was...
2: Exactly. Yeah, and because uh, I, I noticed that, yeah, just after you either uh, posted the video or, or the the episode, or just a little bit afterwards, I saw like all, like uh, you, know, you get the little Facebook alerts, and it was like so and so's like the page, so and so's like and it was just like yeah, it was, like, whoop, 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 just like popped up, and that you went back and I went to get those weekly updates there uh, on the page, and it says how many viewers or listeners or fans you have, and how many I... that week. I mean, I think we went from like 167. I mean, it's a small show, but still we, we're, we went from 167 to like 174 in a matter of an episode. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, that's pretty cool that, you know, it's it really is that shows that you throw support to someone and they support you right back. And who knows, you know, they say, you know, because they, they, you know, obviously it was probably an embarrassing time for the, for the guy. He goes out and tells his friends, like, you know, these guys, you know, Dave, he reached out to me. We did this thing, like, check it out. I mean there's people that we might never meet but he happens to know and it helps the show grow that way and it's it's it's, it's a cool little uh, dynamic that you can do just by reaching out to someone like that
1: I want to continue to make these local connections because I reached out before we, we gained a lot of uh, listeners and fans and friends when I reached out to uh, Gary Rose over at Island Jiu Jitsu uh, we, right. we gained a lot from that and uh, I've known Gary for you know 20 years and uh, he's such a he's such a good kid, and he's a he's a he's a nerd and he's a savage at the same time, which is the greatest combination. It's just amazing, and he's a great family man. And, you know, and and reaching out to him and meeting Nick and meeting the guys over there. Now we have them. We have Heather and Keith and these other guys that now they listen to the show regularly. So as I continue, right. you know, as we continue to make uh, these local connections around our town here it keeps growing and growing. And now on top of making the external connections from like Blake and Keith and Kyle and all these other guys, Miguel and and Raphael and all these guys, um, around the country, it grows on that level. So growing local, growing national, I mean, we just keep going and going and going. And it's, it's, it's so much fun. It doesn't feel like work anymore. You know, it feels like it just feels fun.
2: Yeah. It seems like more now just, like, you pick up the phone
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, I mean, this is going you know, to sound very dated for a lot of if you're, like, 17 or younger and listening, but pick up the phone and actually call a friend.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's all it feels like. Whereas before, I remember I'd be, like, writing down all this information that I don't want to touch on. And then realize I never even touched on it because the conversation flowed a different way. So now it's like, yeah, we pick up the phone, we dial our, a, a friend here, uh, you hit the record button, and we just we just spew whatever. And I mean, the facts are the facts, if we need to know something, it's just a quick hit on Google and you have whatever you need to know and you can just bring it up. Or, you know, if there's something you wanted to say, but you couldn't quite remember it, you see once it, 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 someone says something sparks, and all of a sudden you can get your, your information out. And I find it's really helpful. Like, I find that since I started with the show about a year ago, I'm finding it going a lot smoother for me, which and I find that I'm able to uh, discuss a lot better.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've loosened up a lot in the year, holy fuck. I mean a lot. Yeah. You know. Uh you've gained a lot of confidence in the year in, in the sense of you have no problem sticking behind uh let's say you uh we have a, a pick for a fight and you take a you take a pick and we would Pick against oh, you. Remember or... those old days? <laughs> yeah, we would we would pick against you and give you and say this is why we picked against you and say okay you would you would flip yourself and say yeah yeah you guys are probably right I'll take what you guys say not anymore he say, yeah uh, I, I'm, I'm I, taking I this gun. I
2: did last week though I did I did last night I was I wanted to take uh, uh, Rivera yeah I ended up I convinced myself after what you guys said to right to to right but, uh, but I mean but I mean, it's still like in a fight like that where it could have went either way that's the but like. I'm just like, like the even the Robert Whittaker fight. Like I knew that I like I yeah. had to go with Whittaker no matter what. And you guys are saying all oh, that stuff over Romero, I'm like God damn they're right. But
1: no, I but you stuck with it. your guns, man. But yeah. that's, there's a difference in you know not letting us talk you into it. But um, when you when you're so much on the fence and you listen to someone else their side of it and say when you're like I can't really pick. I I like Almeida. I like Rivera. I'm leaning one way, but I just I need more facts, guys. Help me out with facts.
0: Right, give yeah, me exactly. something and
1: help help me decide either way because I'm I'm fucking torn. I don't know which way to go. I got facts for this guy. I got facts for this guy. I got a love for this guy and I got respect for this guy. I, I I'm stuck. Exactly. Give me something. You know, help me out here. That's that's one thing, but it's another thing to say I'm dead set. I am taking Whitaker no matter what. And then we come out and we're like, "Romero, you're an idiot. It's all Romero." And then you're, you're like, "Oh fuck, yeah, maybe I'll take Romero instead." That was you a year, year and a half ago. That was you. You know. Yeah, and
2: then we're like, we're recording. <laughs> we go into our messages. I'm like, "Shit, guys, you know what? You yeah, know, we're, what? Gonna put, we're gonna we to put up a quick post on the page <laughs> because I'm not. I'm actually flipping. I'm gonna take all the picks that you picked, and that's it. The reason uh... is is because you said that hey, he's gonna win. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like my and it's funny because that's like my biggest um anger with people I mean talking about McGregor and, and Mayweather
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I you know, I ask people who do you think's going to win and they'll say oh I think Conor McGregor doesn't stand a chance and when I said well why like why do you think that look who he's fighting uh, okay and that's the that's the whole reason why Conor can't win because of who he's fighting that's Conor can't land one punch and somehow like Jose Aldo knock, knock out Mayweather you're saying because of a name climber Gary can't win. like mm-hmm. and that's what I ended, and that's what I found myself doing for the longest time until I was able to like finally I said find my flow realize that I don't need all these notes and this and that I just need to know what I need to know and go with it
1: shoot from the hip know what you know and that's it. you know give all your passion I remember so, uh, several times posting the show putting up the notes whatever and then uh, a couple hours maybe Few hours later, having to put a little asterisk next to it and say Ryan changed his pick from this to this, and a and a message down below it, and then maybe the next day later, having to erase it because he flipped again. I was like, "Son of a bitch, Ryan, make up your fucking mind here. Yeah, make up your mind, kid, kill I me." Mean, the
2: fun thing is, like, I find that some, I think when I was earlier, like a, you know, a year or so ago when we first started, and we'd be talking, I would be so in my head trying to analyze something whereas I wasn't listening to what you guys were, would have been saying and when, I, when then I would give my pick and why I would think that and then we'd go, I'd go back, download the show, give it a listen and I, that was the first time sometimes it would just be listening to the show, that was the first time I'd hear you give your opinion on something or, or Jeff give his opinion on something and that's where I'd start to get swayed and like I really uh, I started listening more to you guys and not figuring things out in my head there you and I mean, it is a bit of a problem because like sometimes like it comes to me, who are you going to pick I'm like uh because uh, now I'm starting to analyze it in my head so trying to find that happy medium of knowing what I want to say but hearing what you guys are saying so we can do point counterpoint as we're discussing a fight or a card
1: Well, so what uh I'm trying to look here and see We're at the end of July, and we talked about this last night. Um, We're closing in the end of July, and August is going to be somewhat of a a slow month for us for MMA. Yeah, Uh, we're going to have what? We're going to have the Moreno and and Sergio Pettis fight, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's that there's
1: that's early August. That's the fifth.
2: There's there's Mexico City. There's Pittsburgh. Then there's McGregor Mayweather. Yeah,
1: so the only the only MMA fight we have in August is, early August, August 5th, uh, Sergio Patterson-Brandon Moreno. And then that, we don't have, is, you know, another MMA uh, UFC fight anyway until September 2nd.
2: Oh, that's right, the Pittsburgh card, that's in yeah, September. Yeah. yeah that, I'm, uh, I'm putting it ahead of month uh,
1: No, September 2nd is Rotterdam.
2: And then the sixteenth is the uh, one in Pittsburgh. That, sixteenth is Pittsburgh again. Yeah,
1: that's Rockhold and Branch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lombard and Smith, Jocko and Hall. Yeah, those guys. But um, there's, you know, yep. uh, there's going to be so much going on with with McGregor and Mayweather in that month of August that UFC's smart ran one show at the beginning of August fifth, and then. For the next 21 days, it's all those two. For the next three weeks, yeah. it's all Connor. It's all Floyd. It's The entire machine is going to put the promotion into those two. And I'm really curious on, oh, by the way, just, just as a side note before I go any further, that August 5th show has on the main card friend of the show, our friend Smiling Sam Elvy is taking on the guy that he's been wanting to take on, Rashad Evans.
2: Oh yes, yes, yes. yes so, right.
1: Smiling Sam, brother, we are. I at least I can speak for myself and say I am in your corner, my friend. We hope to get you back on the show at any time.
2: But yeah, I, I I'm really sorry for that, but because it's, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I love Rashad Evans, who's, uh, but it's. I God, like at what, if he loses this one, you guys start to wonder at what point will he start to call it? You know, like, yeah. and then obviously we'll we'll get into that more. Oh yeah, yeah. When that card happens, but like just looking ahead a couple of weeks, and you got like, it like you could be looking at probably like one of the last couple of fights, and you know, hopefully he's not one of those guys that hangs on too long.
1: Yeah, he's what dropped? He dropped three now, I think. Right? He beat.
2: I think was it was his last win against Sunin.
1: Yeah, but that is, was like four years ago, three or four years ago. Yeah,
2: that, yeah, that would have been. Uh, yeah, that was November two thousand thirteen. One six one sixty
1: seven.
2: Uh, yeah, the GSP Hendricks card. Yeah. yeah so I mean, that, I mean, and then I mean, he just has like, the injuries and then the, and the right. loss. I mean, but I mean, I mean, it's that's the life of a fighter, Eight, though, right? You
1: know, what not, can you not do?
2: everyone can be like GSP. I mean, GSP put on the. The ten fight, or like nine nine defense streak after after beating Sarah in the in the rematch, and walked off on top. I mean now there's the talk of the fight, but there's still no guarantee. I mean, not a lot of fighters get to walk away with the belt and with a win, and have defended the belt a handful of times. Like a lot of these guys, they lose a bunch and then they get cut and then they go to other promotions and you slowly never hear them again.
1: That's it. Life of a fighter. I mean, at least yeah. at least now with Bellator gaining a lot of steam, uh, putting on a pay-per-view, the pay-per-view obviously wasn't the biggest success uh, estimated between 90,000 and 125,000 buys. Um, maybe in their eyes it was a success, but what, from what we're used to seeing, not really.
2: Um, right, yeah.
1: But they're putting on pay-per-views now, and they're putting on regular cards, and they're a successful company. They're making money. And they're, and, and they're, they're smart too
2: because... They tried doing, like, the Ultimate Fighter style. Yeah. With, they brought Randy Couture in. And you start to wonder, like, okay, like, are they going to keep with this reality TV thing? And then that was it. Yeah. It didn't work. They, went, they, went, they, they realized, okay, like, you can't really mimic the Ultimate Fighter because you're going to get called out for it. So let's just stick to doing our cards. Like, the turns that they used to put on were, like, were Those were fun. Uh-huh. Because you got you to gotta realize, you know, UFC's been around for 24 Mid- years.
1: Mid-90s, right? At,
2: yeah, and and they're at UFC 214. Bellator's already at UFC uh, Bellator 180. Like because they've been putting out these cards nonstop, just trying to do anything that they can to get to get eyes and, and to get asses and seats. Yeah, but they so, you know what they are? They're like the ECW of MMA. They did they would do a small arena, just absolutely, just trying to gain a fan base, do whatever it takes to, to get a fan base.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there was, uh, you know, you, like yesterday you said you were you were walking around the house blaring wrestling themes up and down, and, yeah, yeah. and I was like, man, you know, I got to listen, and I got to you know, I got, I lived in New Jersey during the the height in the prime of ECW, and my friend Rob Rob Kool Aid him and I used to go to as many ECW shows as we could. Now back in the day, I'm gonna tell you how it used to be. There was no Ticketmaster for ECW. There was no right. online purchasing for ECW. If you wanted ECW tickets, you had to go to the ECW arena to get the tickets or whatever arena they were going to be at. But
2: I love those old ballroom venues. Weren't they
1: awesome? Hammerstein yeah, Ballroom, I, the Elks Lodge. They, this, the, the
2: one thing that WWE ever did right with ECW was when they put on one-night stand and they went back yeah. there. Yeah,
1: they, they went back to the like, Hammerstein
2: and it, they still had. I swear to God, the fans that were like 14 years old back in the '90s watching ECW, oh, they were now in their early 20s. And they and were same, rabid. Like, I guarantee, there was the exact same fans that you're that you saw.
1: Oh, they were rabid. Yeah, and they they uh went to buy. You could buy what was similar to season tickets for ECW. You could buy um, packs of say. The next ten shows or the next twenty shows. That's why there was, there was a guy that we called Hat Guy. Do you remember Hat Guy? He was the
2: dude. He, the, is he was he a guy that was always in the uh, the front rows? Always front row or, center. I, always. I, I want I You know, if I were to throw on a, one of my UFC or my ECW DVDs, yeah, I guarantee I'd be like, oh, for, I can't. I, the name sounds familiar, but I can't really exactly picture. But I, I, I have to say I know exactly who you're talking about.
1: Now Hat Guy. He, he bought tickets for every single show, everywhere, and especially the televised ones, even if, no matter where they were, unless they were, like, out of state. Sometimes, like, Florida ones, he, he didn't go to some of those. Or California what? ones, he didn't make some of those. But Hat Guy had season tickets. And once he got to, like, 98, they started saving his spot for him. And that was a big deal for ECW to save someone's seat, you know? Because, you know, the ECW brand or theory was, you know, you take what you can get, you, you know, if you want that, you come and earn it. But
2: yeah. And, and, and having a fan that's willing to travel Oh on the East coast, why? Like, you know, I mean, eventually Z has got to say, I mean, it, regardless if, if they gave him a discount on a ticket or they still made him pay for, regardless what it was for them to say to a fan, you will always have that seat unless, you know, you're not there, say at your regular time, then we'll sell it elsewhere. That's that's a big deal for a small promotion.
1: Absolutely, but there's another thing that ECW does is they always, they always, inc- they always uh, give to dedication, and they always right. appreciate right. dedication and loyalty, and that's what he showed. He also once it came to about ninety-eight, ninety-nine. He also brought along glasses guy, long hair, black, long black hair, black leather jacket. Black sunglasses.
2: Okay, I know exactly. who you're Yeah,
1: hat guy about and that. glasses guy. That he
2: always reminded me of uh, the jackal. Yes, the WWF. They, 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 he reminded me exactly that when jackal first premiered. Uh huh. I thought that that was him.
1: Ah, yeah. So hat guy and glasses guy were always there. Every t- every I tell you what, every single show that I seen at the ECW arena, hat guy and glasses guy was always there, always there. So. The, the way that we got to an ECW arena was we took the train from Union Beach, New Jersey, into the South Philly exit. It took us about 45, 55 minutes uh, via train, straight through, no stops. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a pretty good ride, but once we got to that South Philly exit, we had about six, six-ish, six and a half blocks to get to the ECW arena. That neighborhood was like Benghazi. It was like <laughs> oh my god. If it was just walking Rob through the gunfire. Oh, it was if Rob and I were walking alone, you know, just him and I, you'd hear from, you know, the just random houses that looked like they didn't belong to have inhabitants in them anymore. Uh, they, looked like right. they, fights, they looked like they had been in gunfights and they looked like they had been, you know, they were being ready to be torn down, but they were, you know, they were all inhabited. You'd hear, shit coming out of the house, like, Come here, white boys. Hey, white boys, you want some weed? Come get some weed, white boys. And like, Rob's like, fucking keep your head straight and just keep walking. But
2: these. Wait, at least they called the white boy. It could have yeah. been
1: worse. Yeah. I know. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. And you'd hear the gunshots and you'd hear glass breaking and shattering, and you know, you'd hear, you know, fights going on. But the thing is, is you'd hear all that, but once you got into about that last half block to the ECW arena, none of those thugs or those those crackheads or whatever was in there, they never ventured to the ECW arena because if, if those guys came in and started fucking with ECW fans, ECW fans would band together and beat the fucking piss out of them. And ECW fans always carried weapons because they would give the weapons to the ECW yeah.
2: wrestlers yes, yes, to yes, use. I'm, I'm, I'm... I love that you brought that up because that was one of my favorite aspects <laughs> of, uh, of ECW. Is when you see that the guy who reached in his pocket and pull like a hammer. It's like, what the
0: fuck does this guy have
2: a hammer? And he just give it to Raven or the or Sandman or Tommy Dreamer or New Jack, and, like, and he's like, it's like, I mean, to show that even though it's all scripted, how unscripted it can still be because yeah. you don't know what you're gonna end up with in your hand.
1: Rob and I, there was times where that we would meet other ECW fans on the train. Like we, Rob and I met some guys on the train. That that one guy was carrying a kitchen sink, a kitchen sink, to just bust it out of a. Uh, I think he said it was a mobile home or a uh, an RV or something. It wasn't a huge kitchen sink; it was pretty small. But he was, it was, he was gonna hit everything. You know, he's gonna that thing. I'm gonna hit everyone with with everything but a kitchen sink. Well, I'm gonna hit him with a kitchen sink. So if, if there was a group of us, like nine, eight or nine or ten ECW fans that were walking from the train station to the arena, not a peep from those houses, not a fucking peep. We would walk like we owned the street all the way there. Right, right. That's just the way it was in South Philly at that time. But that was a scary neighborhood, man. It really was a scary neighborhood. And uh, uh, the, the arena was a shithole. No AC. I don't think they cleaned up anything on the floor. I mean, you'd walk in, your feet were sticky from beer and yeah. blood and sweat. and Oh, my God.
2: All that good stuff.
1: Ugh. But the one, my favorite story, this this is the one I wanted to share uh, on the show. My favorite story was the night that Sandman returned. We had no idea this was happening. Sandman was off in WCW. He was making the big WCW money. We swore he was going to stay his, out there. What was his name? He was
2: hardcore, hardcore hack. Hack,
1: yeah. So, Hardcore hack. Yep. So he was off doing that thing while Raven was over there. You know, and Raven had come back to ECW about two weeks prior. And Raven made his big return and stuff. And uh, uh, it was October 23rd, 1999. Rob and I were... uh, and we were pretty far back, but I mean, there's really not a bad seat in the house. The ECW arena—it's pretty small. It's a fucking bingo hall, so you could be in the furthest row back right, and the furthest right. seat back, and it's really—you know—you're you're really in you, good seat still.
2: You could, could sit and you could still hit the rest. Absolutely. Kind of
1: yeah. <laughs> so we're we're kind of far back, but you know we still have we're still looking good, and it's it's the the impact players, which is Lance Storm and Justin Incredible, and they're taking on uh, the the returning Raven with Tommy Dreamer. Everything's, you know, the match is going fine. It's it's pretty fun. Um, Towards the end, impact players being the bad guys, you know, they cheat, of course. And, you know, they bring out one of their buddies, Rhino, and he's jumping them. And, you know, then they bring out Jack Victory and stuff. And everybody's beating up the good guys. And all of a sudden, lights go out. At that time, whenever the lights went out and came back on, Sabu would be in the middle of the ring.
2: Right, right. That was
1: part of his gimmick, you know, lights go out. Lights come back on, Sabu's in the ring, pointing at the sky, you know, and then Sabu commences to start breaking furniture and jumping through stuff, and, you know. That's just, <laughs> so I was nudging Rob, and he's like, oh, it's cool, Sabu's coming. Rob loves Sabu. He's like, all right, fuck it, yeah, I gotta see Sabu. And the lights the lights stayed out for about a minute and a half. It's like, what the fuck? Did the it's, We're like, maybe the lights just broke. I mean, this fucking arena sucks. Maybe it's just the yeah, lights. Right. You know, maybe the, the power went out. And then a spotlight came on, Across the opposite side, where where we were, if we were in the bottom left corner, this is the upper right corner. And 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 the spotlight shined on, and there was the Sandman. And he hadn't been in the ECW for over a year. And there he was. And I exploded, and Rob exploded, and I have never heard the ECW arena explode like this. It was deafening. They lost their fucking mind, and... And he's standing there with the cane, and the beer, and the cigarette, and he's jacked to the gills because he'd been in WCW s- shooting steroids and getting right, all that yeah. WCW money. You know, and he, ma- he starts making his way down from this little uh, p- uh, little lift that he's on, and and Sandman Sandman's playing, and the arena is screaming the song at him, rah, rah, rah. You know, and he comes in the ring, and he beats the piss out of everyone with the cane, and you know, he's drinking beer, and he gives Tommy Dreamer a beer, and they pour beer on Francine's tits, and they drink it off her boobs. And...
0: <laughs> yes, yes, oh, yes.
1: It was the I greatest you, night.
2: You, you shared that, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. I mm. remember that, because that just sounds all so familiar to me. Yes. Like, as if I, it sounds so familiar as if I was there, knowing <sighs> that I wasn't, but I know I have to have seen it really recently. Oh
1: my God. I recently found a video of it, and I got a fan came of it, too. I found one of those, and it was the greatest night for me in an arena watching a wrestling show bar none and i've seen you know i've been to wcw pay-per-views uh, i've been to wwe pay-per-views i've been to you know uh, 25 30 40 50, people in the arena i've been to all those kind of shows nothing tops a you know a, a 1500 person arena with the sandman returning and doing all that stuff nothing tops ecw ever nothing was better Nothing was more rabid, nothing was more wild, nothing was more crazy, nothing spurred more emotion from a person on a fake pro-wrestling show. I really just, you can't explain the way ECW was. There's nothing to compare it to.
2: Yeah, I just want to throw one real quick thing out with, uh, you mentioned Sabu. Yeah. I still, to this day, absolutely love the idea... Of the barbed wire match. Oh, God. And when, uh, if, if, I mean, obviously you've seen it, but if the listeners have never seen it, the ropes were gone Mm -hmm. and there was barbed wire instead. Yep. And for the first, oh, maybe seven, eight minutes or so, every time there was an Irish whip, you would, and you know they're going to hit the ropes, it was like that. Stutter step, and they would <laughs> stop before, and we were just waiting for <laughs> we were just waiting for when it was going to happen. And sure enough, eventually Terry Funk went Terry, into the yep. into the bar fire first, and whatever. But Sabu, when he got his when he got his, arm, his arm on there, yeah, and ripped open his bicep, and the look of shock on his eye, you knew that okay, this isn't good.
1: Yeah, that was bad.
2: And ever the performer, and ever the just the crazy motherfucker.
1: He just grabbed some fucking duct tape. Yeah, and duct taped it up, and kept on going. Tape it up. And then, super glue tape. Put me back I together. I'm going again.
2: You go and watch uh, any of his matches in the, from when he, like, even his WWE days, you see the scar not only of the barbed wire, but of where the tape would have been yeah. from when they had, from when they had to remove the tape for. I mean, the that moment there. I mean, if if anything. Personifies ECW. It's Sabu taping up an accidental injury with duct tape.
1: My God, was that was this thing? He broke his jaw, taped it up.
2: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a fucking crazy guy. Unbelievable. And the other funny is that I would, if you told me right now that I could have a beer with Sabu, I would sit down and do it in a heartbeat, just because I want to hear. Every story that he has to tell.
1: I don't drink, and I would drink for that. I, I would, I would, I would open a beer and say, "Let's do this, And they, and they, they wonder why? Because today he's got a, he's got, he takes a lot of painkillers, and they say, the people say he's addicted to them, and that I, I say, guys, he probably can't get out of bed without taking three or four painkillers. Did you see what he's done to his body over the last twenty-five years? If yeah,
2: that's if, absolutely insane. I mean, give me a break. Up. Even the, the the table spots, like like every like, he's just he, he's just insane in all the right ways. He, I mean, when you look if there, you know you look at the reasons why ECW, I mean, it didn't have a, a, a great long run, but if you look at why it lasted as long as it did, when most other promotions would have failed, it's guys like Sabu and Tommy Dreamer and RVD, guys that were willing to just do what it took to keep that, that business
1: afloat. Sabu got his neck broken by Chris Benoit. Thrown up in the air, dropped on his head, oh, broke right. his neck. Sabu got his neck broken again by Taz. He got T-bone Suplex into a table, broke his neck. He broke his neck twice during his run in ECW. It barely took six weeks off to heal a broken neck. And didn't care. Came back early every single time. You break your neck twice in less than five years on a single run. On top of it, Jesus Christ, there's no wonder he's taking painkillers. What the fuck else is he going to do? Sit there in a bed and just lay there and die in pain?
2: I mean, and that's, I mean, and, and for as amazing as the Attitude Era and ECW and that kind of stuff was, if you go back and you watch some of the things that those guys did back then, it's no wonder why wrestling is uh, beloved today for its more uh, finesse action than its than its uh, extreme. Like, I can jump off a 16 foot ladder. Oh yeah, well, I'll go 23 foot. Yeah. Had to, eventually they had to put a stop to it because I mean, going to the painkillers, guys were literally dying of pain of overdosing on painkillers and alcohol yeah. because they couldn't. They just couldn't do anything without it.
1: Yep, yep. It, it was still uh, such a
2: magical time.
1: You know, J- New Jack said because he had to start jumping off of top of scaffolds and stuff to stop uh, jumping off off the rafters. You know, jumping from twenty five feet in the air into, you know, right. uh, he he would take he would do two three lines of cocaine before he went to the ring because if he didn't do the cocaine, he didn't know if he could jump. You know right that right. that coke worked him up and and got him going and freaking out and uh you know the speed got him going so that once he got up there he just he said fuck it I'm going he said that's that doing those jumps got him hooked on cocaine because he had to do it or he wouldn't be able to jump and if he didn't jump he wouldn't have a job
2: exactly and that's one of those things where i mean as like you know they go out there and they do things for the fans but at some point, you know the fans have to realize that these guys can't keep doing it, and Oof. maybe don't be as bloodthirsty. Like, let them, <laughs> let them, let them push themselves to a limit, yeah. and let them, and then maybe bring it back, and then do it again. Like you didn't want to see, you know, like uh, I'm trying to think of it. Like you didn't want to see Stone Cold just walk out, hit a stunner, and that was it. you, know, you wanted to see him maybe take a rock bottom and lose. So he could build momentum to win.
0: Absolutely, but
2: these, but but in ECW, the fans were just so bloodthirsty and they loved it. And in, to the to the credit of the wrestlers, whenever they hit their peak, they would find a way to find another peak on the mountain that didn't have one. They they invented their own next level because they wanted to give it to the fans because the fans were demanding it.
1: And there was there was just great solid mat wrestling in ECW, but nobody remembers it. It's all. The, you know, there was like uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. There was stuff like that where there was no blood, I mean, no weapon, no weapons, no blood, no, no yeah, that. I mean, yeah. there was great solid mat wrestling in there, but it's not what they were known for. It's not what they're remembered for.
2: I mean, well, th- I mean, everybody. I mean, WWF had the uh, the uh, the light heavyweight division yeah. in there for a while. Um, which is funny to think like heavyweights and flying off the top <laughs> rope. And you think of, like heavyweights, like, I can't imagine John Jones doing that. Oh, but, God, no. But, but to wrestling, it was a whole, I mean, it was 215 and under just seemed like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, you know, and WCW had their cruiserweight division with all the luchadors and Chris and Jericho and, and Dean Malenko and all those guys. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Like,
2: and all of the people, no, no one seems to understand that ECW started that. They, they brought those guys exactly. from Mexico yep. and from Japan and put them out there to the point where WCW needed something. They had all these big guys, but they needed some filler matches. And so they all went to, WC, uh, did to, to WCW for a really lucrative contracts. Yep. But they ended up just being you know, either first or second flight on, on a card or it was a squash match. Like Jerry Lynn, when Jerry Lynn went to WCW... I was excited to see how he'd do, and he ended up just, uh, you know, a two-minute match against Hogan, a two-minute match against Goldberg. It was nothing, and and so they, I mean, if those had stayed in ECW, who knows what could have been? Like you could have had that mixture of, of flying off the top rope, crazy, uh, acrobatic, uh, wrestling matches, with the the hardcore element that ECW was was known for
1: yeah that was too bad e c w had more stuff stolen from them than 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 anyone that i know of. they stole w c w stole so many wrestlers to them w w e stole a concept from them the attitude era was birthed off of e c w uh, in general i mean they took a lot of everything that e c w was doing and and put it into what they call the attitude and you
2: know right yeah
1: everything a lot of the stuff was born at e c w birthed a lot of stuff that that made both of those companies very successful uh, they you know, just.
2: Well, I mean, let I mean, ECW though. I think they have the, the. I think the biggest steal of all time when they when they got uh, stunning Steve Austin. Oh my
1: God! Yeah.
2: When when he was sitting at home injured and Eric Bischoff like FedExed him his walking papers, and he went. He he sent with and and he couldn't wrestle. I don't. I think he maybe had just like a handful of matches in ECW. Two. Because. Of, because of, his, because of his injury and length of contract, all he did was cut promos. Yep,
1: that's it. And
2: and all that did was allow... I mean, and it's funny that WWF missed the mark on him so bad when they brought him in as the ringmaster. Because you go back and you watch the promos when he was dressing up as Hogan and dressing up as Bischoffer, <laughs> <shopper>, and then <laughs> he would do, and, and all he would be doing is insulting the, the company. And you wrote, this guy's a genius guy. you got to get him on the mic, and then... He comes into WWF, he doesn't talk. And, you know, Million Dollar Man is all of his talking, and that's it. I think it's like, like they were so close on, like, missing out on a pure genius on the mic.
1: Yeah, he only, he fought, um, he had, well, he had one match that was kind of not really a match. His only real match in ECW was against Mikey whipwreck Yeah, that's
0: right. And
1: it was against Mikey Wiprek when Mikey Wiprek was the champion. and. Paul Heyman said, I want to put the belt on Steve right away. Right now, I want Steve to be our champion. I want to hold him down. I want to solidify him. I want him to be you know, our guy. And Steve said, no, 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 no. You can't give me the belt right away. That's not smart. I just came into the company. What you do is you put me in there, and you have Mikey Whipwreck pull my trunks or do something to, to beat me on the sly so that I can cut a promo next week and say I was this close, and now I want it so much more and that's how business is done and Paul's like Steve's the smartest businessman I ever worked with because I would have never thought to do that and that made so much more sense than anything I could have came up with
2: I don't know if you can confirm this or not but actually I think that that match uh, of him and Whipwreck was included in the uh, the Stone Cold um, well, was it 2K15 or 2K16 video game when they did his uh, career retrospective, his biggest matches in the video game. Oh, I think, I think that game and that arena and Mikey Rivera were all like unlockables uh, through his storyline feature. I'm not, I don't, not hundred percent sure, but uh, I think that it is.
1: I think I have two fifteen and I have two seventeen. I didn't get two sixteen on P on uh, PC. It was okay. a, it was a bad port, and I tried it, and there was so many bugs. I got a refund on it. Um, so the, and I didn't have an Xbox or nothing at the time. So I tried to get the, the, uh, the computer, the PC port. It just didn't play good at all. Um, and I'm they, trying
2: to remember if it was, like uh, yeah, I think they always do their, their storylines in their, in their 2K editions. Yes, yep. And you had the Stone Cold one from a year, two years ago, whatever it was. And I, th- and, you know, they had his early days in WCW and obviously his, it was kind of an unknown small run that he had in WWF in the late 90s that some people might know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they included the ECW, the, the, like the whatever, at least one match. If maybe they may have even had like some videos thrown in there.
1: It was great times, man. It was great times to be a wrestling fan in the 90s, wasn't it?
2: It was unbelievable.
1: The greatest time I mean,
2: ever. We were talking about it. Um I remember, like we were just talking about it uh, off before we hit record. What uh, I, I was, I didn't really like. We didn't get a lot of wrestling when I was, you know, ten, eleven, twelve. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that I would watch would have been from watching old VHSs that you'd rent at the, at the movie store. Yes. And so I was like, renting all the SummerSlam stuff. So I knew, like, you know, Hogan and Macho Man, Andre the Giant, and Ted DiBiase, and all these, all these guys, and, um. All of a sudden, there, it's announced that TSN's gonna start carrying WWF Raw. And it's like, "Awesome!" I put it on, and it was completely different. <laughs> and so you would watch, And then they signed uh, WCW Monday Nitro for the Tuesday afternoon from like three to six. Oh, so you okay. Could go, so you would go like nine to eleven on Monday night. You watch Raw live, and then they do the tape delay. So I, as a family, I was able to watch both of them just as I mean the NWO was already like in full swing and Stone Cold had prior to WrestleMania 13 because he wasn't a champion yet and uh, Shawn Michaels and DX were still running the show uh, but I mean just like for me like I grew up up to that point knowing absolutely thinking that it was wrestling was still going on like this and not like uh, to see like all of a sudden like the first one I watched is Roz Warren the nation, the domination comes out. And I'm at Johnson. I was like, so lost and confused by what I was. Watching. <laughs> at the same time. It was like, you know, like, like the, you know, the, the first, you know, the first time you have sex and you're just like, I don't know what this is.
1: But
2: I want, it, I want more of it now. It's
1: pretty fucking awesome. I can tell you that much.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, 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 I try to watch it now here and there. It's just, it's not the same No. It just it does like, the characters just I mean if it wasn't for NXT I, I don't think I could watch any wrestling I mean I, if I watch any Raw or any of the pay-per-views it's because of like these younger guys from NXT or these unknown guys like um, uh, uh, oh cripes. his name just slipped my head Japanese cat Shinsuke Nakamura uh, like watching these guys who no one really knows about coming in you're just like oh sh-. like there's still a lot of legitimacy out there but it's just hard to find. For, because they don't want you to find it
1: yeah there's some bright spots now i mean it's it's quite difficult to watch because it's it's what we call corporate wrestling nowadays uh with them being a pub you know wwe's the only real big player in town tna global force wrestling whatever they call themselves now is you know
2: oh, right yeah the, the old, uh, they're
1: not any competition at all no. so there's one. There's one company in town, and they have some good some spots. They have AJ Styles, and they have, you know, they have Shinsuke Nakamura, who is absolutely awesome, and they have Finn Balor from, uh, who came over from Ireland, who's absolutely amazing, and they yes. have they have guys like, uh, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose mm-hmm. and
2: Bullet Club, you know, like yes,
1: he was a like, Finn Balor is fucking and amazing,
2: Gallows and, and um, uh,
1: Carl God. Anderson.
2: Thank you, thank you uh those two guys i mean like i mean you got to think Gall- uh gallows i mean he was in wwe
1: yeah
2: it did, did nothing he was the the straight edge society mm-hmm. now, when punk was coming in and becoming big and they just got rid of him and then they, all of a sudden he goes to japan and just blows it up because they like, they know how to use talent like, the way that japan uses talent today is how wwf used to use it in the attitude era but for some reason wwf has gotten to this thing of here's our big name guys they like, brought well, Brock Lesnar has the title. He shows up every other month. You know, he, he shows up to RAW. gets assaulted by Samoa Joe, then he disappears. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he disappears for another two months, and then his next we is the pay-per-view. It's like, he, you came into a storyline with him, and he's your champion. Like, I don't know how WWF got from the Attitude Era to this.
1: Um, yeah, it's pretty difficult to watch nowadays, but I don't see, uh, I, I don't, I don't, keep track as much as i should i don't watch regularly anymore it used to be every monday night i was uh right in front of the tv or right in front of my computer streaming it because i'm you know i'm almost full 100 percent streaming nowadays i just don't anymore i i can't it's not i i don't it doesn't hold my interest long enough I, i don't find value in it the way i used to there's bright spots but those spots are are if there's if it's it's a three-hour show on Monday and a two-hour show on Tuesday. And that three-hour show on Monday, I might get 20, 25 minutes of value. And that two-hour show on, on Tuesday, I might get the same. There's just too much left over. Like, I'll fall asleep watching it. And that's a problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and in, and in some ways... Sorry, go
1: on. No, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, partially due to the fact that they're trying to push this PG uh kids show family friendly corporate sponsors uh don't want to don't want to push the envelope and go gritty for the uh, the adult the the adult crowd they want to keep it as a family show and i think that's that's pretty much why it's it's all everything so looks the same everything the, every segment seems like it's the same thing over and over
2: yeah exactly and uh, and it's like, it's like it almost is like a reminiscent of like the, those 1980s days where you just have like you know like you're john cena's your hulk hogan he's like that that big name guy he's clean he's uh you know he doesn't fight dirty. he always beats the bad guy and this and that like that's nice then <laughs> yeah but when you start changing, I mean, and, you know, the attitude era, like, one thing I will say that's amazing uh, now is the women's wrestling.
1: Oh, it's so much better.
2: Because the attitude era, you know, when they were just trying to, like, just, you know, like, the cat would have her tits out mm-hmm. every week on on cable, and they would say, well, you know what, it is PG-13, so it's your fault that if your kid's watching it. Well, okay, I get it, but, I mean, they're mad. They're the, mad the title was on the line in a bra and panties match. <laughs> like, and, and I understand that's where they were going for. Yeah. But I mean, but the women's wrestling today is amazing. What yeah. I was going to say that like, when you have like, your champion, like Hulk Hogan or, or John Cena, they can never lose. Whereas before, Stone Cold was getting screwed over by, by Mr. McMahon on a regular basis. I mean, the good guy was a bad guy and the bad guy was losing to badder guys. Right. And, and you were so happy when Stone Cold lost because you knew that he was going to come back with, with utter vengeance like that. Um, King of the Ring, when he lost to King in the first blood match. Right, and Stone yep. Cold when Stone Cold lost that, you knew one way or another Monday night was going to be can't-miss TV because the bad guy lost, and he's going to come back full throttle. Whereas now, John Cena loses, there has to be some kind of controversy. He can't lose clean because he's too good to lose clean.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, Austin would come back next week with a beer truck and soak you. Austin would come back next week with a monster truck and run over your car. You know, Austin would come back with something and drive it right up and up and down, or the construction vehicle and smash, you know, pour concrete in McMahon's Corvette or. He would just do this maniac crap with all these weird vehicles. He drove a Zamboni right into the arena. I was to say, yeah, the, <laughs>
2: the the cement truck, the, the, uh, the monster truck. like He destroyed a Lamborghini. He, how many gallons of beer did he spray on, oh. uh, on, the, on the corporation? You know, like, it's, it's classic.
1: Uh, never get those but, days back.
2: I found there was a tweet I wanted to. I don't know if you saw this. I wanted. I just found. it. I wanted to mention it because we're talking about this. X-Pac put out a tweet a while back, uh, maybe two three weeks ago here. Nineteen ninety nine WWE revenue $373 yes. million dollars yep. and eighty million raw rating 80, uh, 80 million viewers for the raw rating. Mm-hmm. Two thousand seven two thousand seventeen WWE's revenue seven hundred twenty nine million, mm-hmm. but their ratings are down to. 2.5 yeah so they've pulled their revenue but they're like all their revenue is basically on like you said corporate sponsors yes right they, they have lost almost 6 million viewers in 18 years yeah. just by i mean and i'm not saying they had to stick to the attitude era but they need to, they, that's like we said with ecw the 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 luchadors and the hardcore aspect you mix it all together
1: yeah, X Pac is, is missing a few things in that. Yes, those numbers are correct, but the fact that back then they weren't a publicly traded company. They didn't have stocks. They didn't have those kind of um those investors in those from those stocks getting all that revenue. They didn't have a three hour show from, you know, the which is an additional hour of revenue from uh they didn't have SmackDown back then at the time, which is another a whole other show. They didn't have the network. So there's a lot of outside stuff. What they ran on back then was 100% commercials, pay-per-view, merchandise, and ratings. That's all they had to run on right. back then. And they made that much money on those few things. That's insane. Putting that into perspective, that would be, if you put all that to that formula today, if you had publicly traded and you had all this stuff back then, that $325 million would probably be close to about
0: $1.5 Yeah
1: easy having those you know those record numbers of of viewers every single week on top of the corporate stuff jesus dude unbelievable
2: and here we go uh, talking about ratings and i'll show this to our uh, to our page i just saw the uh, overnight numbers for last night's ufc on fox are out how'd they do uh lowest rated uh, show ever really? 1. 1. 1.6 million Lowest
1: UFC on Fox uh, viewership. UFC on Fox.
2: Okay. UFC on Fox. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're not just any Fight Night. It's just, it's, I mean, there's only been 25 of these, so just to put that into perspective.
1: Yeah.
2: But the UFC on Fox cards, the, the lowest, uh, lowest viewership.
1: Yeah, we're not talking about this is way different. This isn't the FS1 cards, and this is, you know, the other yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah. You know, majority of the time when we see these cards, they're on FS1. Uh, uh, this is this was Fox. This was a much broader audience, much bigger scale. So um, 1.6, that's, I mean, it sounds like it's big numbers, but if that's the lowest that Fox has ever seen, it wasn't exactly like it was a star-studded card. I mean, it had good fights, but the drawing power was all on Chris Weidman and Gaslam. I mean, Rivera and Almeida weren't going to draw this. Uh, Patrick Cummins wasn't going to draw this. I mean... To be honest, it wasn't that star started to draw big numbers it was it was what it was. I was surprised it was on Fox, honestly. I was expecting it to be on f s one looks like Ryan had fallen off. We're going to give him a call back here real quick, and hopefully he comes back to us. What happens?
2: It happens? That was weird. I hear just mid-sentence. I'm looking. Like, <laughs> I thought you were trying to think of what you wanted to say. I'm like, it five it's been... Five it's been and I was like, top my headphones, I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah,
1: it happens. Well, i it. say it's, it's not a star-studded card. It's crazy that uh, that they've only had 25 of these on Fox and that they would choose to put this. Maybe the timing, I don't know what it was. They didn't have room on FS1. They had to put it on Fox, but... You figure if they're only putting a few of these out on Fox every year or every couple of years, whatever it is, that they would stack it a little harder than just Gastelum and, and Weidman. You know, a, a, a guy that's on a three-fight skid, and you know, Gastelum is what he is. And I read, and I just posted to the page not so long ago that Gastelum is requesting uh, to move back to Walterweight.
2: I find it funny he has to request that he can't just. <laughs> I, you know, he can't. You know, what, if he were to find a nutritionist, say, like, okay, it's July.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's, okay, well, basically a week left in, in the month. Yeah. Take off the rest of the year. Just don't don't fight. Don't do a training camp. Just get yourself a nutritionist. Find out how you can get down safely and, and, and stay at 173 or so so that when you have to cut what you can. Really, if he were to focus all of his energy on eating a certain way and maintaining his his body and then get into a good training camp and show Dana White that he can do 170, I you know, and he, even if he like does like, a weigh in over the course of like two months, just sh- like random weigh in, like a random drug test a random weigh in, says, Look, 170, 170, give me a fight. The fact that he has to go to Dana White and request that because Dana White refuses to let him ruin another card. Right. So, it's, I, mean, I understand Dana White's point of view, but, I mean, if the guy wants to fight, let him do what he wants to do. I mean, uh.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, he should try to go... Do his regular walk-around weight, let's say, you know, 180, 185, whatever he wants to do, and then try to cut down to 170. Just do, do practice cuts. I mean, it's not fun to do, but, you know, practice cutting down to 170, you know, over the course of a week or whatever, like like you would do for a regular fight, uh, record it, show Dana for proof, say, look, I can do this. I can get down to 170 to make the way in and balloon back up. Do that, yeah, yeah. you know, do that and, and show him. And, uh, you know, if he can successfully do it once or so, and he can say, look, man, I can do it, I swear, I promise you. And if he screws up again, he look, if I screw up again, I swear, I'll never ask again, just give me another chance. You know, maybe it'll work out for him. Right.
2: Exactly, yeah. Like, I don't know, I mean... One I mean like one seventy if he can maintain that weight he like he he probably could go on an okay run, but at the same time, like he was not bad at one eighty five no,
1: I didn't think so either he was,
2: he was number i mean if he won i mean he even came- i mean he came out and said it, and I mean obviously like what can you do? he said you know if I had thirty more seconds in round one, I would have won that's not arguable i mean he he did have Weidman really hurt yeah at the same time i. I' started off that second round very, very timid, and he didn't attack. So I mean at the same time it's like if he had utilized that early second round, we could be talking right now about, about Gaslam, Romero, Gaslam, Souza, uh-huh. what's going to happen for him going forward? He's, is he really one shot, one fight away from a, from a title shot? and instead of looking at that, I mean why he could still even get Souza theoretically or Romero because they're both coming, they're all three of them coming off classes now. Instead, he's saying, I want to go back down to 170. It's almost like he's realizing that that upper echelon of 185 is a much different beast than the upper echelon of 170.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we'd be talking about this if he won. He wouldn't be asking to come down to 70. like, oh, that, that would be, you know, it wouldn't even be in the issue of him. He's like, oh, I wanted 85. Cool, let's keep going on 85. It's only because he right, yeah. lost. You know.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's. I think I, I think it'd be it'd be an interesting next couple of weeks to kind of see what really happens with Gastelum going forward. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, like 170. I mean, it almost I mean 170. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from any of the fighters there, but it's almost like he wants the easiest route to the title, which I can't really blame him for. No,
1: fight smart, it, not hard.
2: After after Weidman, he's now theoretically going to be having having to look at fighting. like We just said Romero. Who's uh, oh. possibly possibly Rockhold, maybe Bisbing, maybe Whitaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, as opposed to the, you know, look at look at one seventy, you know, he can take on Wonder Boy. You know, take on uh, Masvidal.
1: There's Condit or Magni.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's. Like, there, there, I mean, those are. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them, but those matchups are a little bit more favorable for him than the one eighty five. But if he goes into one down to one seventy and he puts together a couple of wins and he gets a title shot and he doesn't make weight, he I guess he didn't away just saying, Here's your walking papers.
1: Yeah, man.
2: Because like, 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 now you're definitely not reliable.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens to with him. But um I liked I still liked him even in the loss, I still like him better at eighty five. I like I'd like him to uh um, get some more work on some more cardio, of course. Uh, I'd like to see him a little bit more gas, be able to explode a little bit more. Um, he yep. looked real sluggish, and I don't like that. Maybe that's okay. why he wants to cut down. I don't know what his all of his reasons are, but um, I still don't think that going back down is is the right way. Is the right is the right thing for him? I think he just needs to stick it out at eighty five through the good and the bad, and and you know try to take on someone like Brunson next, maybe who's a little bit ahead of him. But still in that area.
2: If if it comes down to it, you know, like maybe shake up the camp a little bit. I mean, your camp has gotten you this far, and they and they've really helped him. I mean, his I mean, look at his losses right now in the UFC. I think it's what Weidman, um, Tyrone Woodley. I think there's one more. There's no, there's... he's
1: only got he's got two in a no contest.
2: Okay, oh that's right, cause that's what it, yeah. You know, I mean, he's got so Weidman two...
1: and Magny. is who he lost to, and he's got. Uh, um, and and, that, and Woodley and Woodley and Weidman.
2: Um, they take away the Magny loss. Yeah, and Woodley. Those are not exactly best. two champions. No, I mean, what, what's wrong? With, I mean, if he you know if he thinks that maybe it, he has to shake up the camp and bring someone new in for striking or for, like you said for cardio, mm-hmm. maybe that's, maybe that's all it takes for him to to move a little bit more forward.
1: Yeah, he needs something in there because he's got, you know, he's got the talent. He just needs he needs something on the physical aspect. Um, so, I mean, we, we we got a little bit more time left. But, uh, I know what I'm doing tonight and I know what about 16 million people in my country are doing tonight and we're going to be watching Game of Thrones. You've never watched Game of Thrones.
2: I could, uh, I could pull the Friend Shawline say, "Well, come on, I'm a grown man. I don't believe in dragons." <laughs> but, but that's not true. Um, no. I, I, I watched the first episode, like, I, like, up to where uh, where Bran fell out of the uh, the tower, and he caught the uh, the brother and sister getting mm-hmm. it on.
1: Yep. Okay.
2: Um, and like so, my like my friend had burnt me the first two seasons on DVD. Okay. And so I, I checked it out. And it's not that I didn't like it. It's just I went to go put it in the disc again. And they, these are one of those burned discs that when you put it in, it would just start playing from yes. where it left off. So Kara had finished the first season and was starting the second, and I didn't know that. I accidentally put in the second season instead of the first season, uh. and it started off with with the recap where Kara had turned it off. Uh. So I saw Sean Bean get his head cut off. So I was all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want to dedicate a whole season Knowing what's gonna happen, yeah. But, but and I mean, to me, like you know, I, I know the the whole red wedding. I know the Sean Bean dying. Uh, I know the like the uh, the gold crown from uh, Daenerys's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there are definitely some quote unquote spoilers. I'm not a spoiler guy. Like, if you were to tell me everything that happened in uh, in the new Spider-Man movie, I would still sit down and watch <laughs> it. I don't care. I'm with you. I'm not spoilers don't ruin anything for me um like we were talking about off air i had like i'm watching like so much TV right now (laughs) that i want to really give game of thrones like my full attention so i'm probably gonna wait for the season to wrap up and then i'll just end up going the whole way through i mean i mean i might know everything that happens but who cares i'll still be entertained i'm sure i mean I uh, I've always been impressed by the uh, the attention to detail on their sets and in their costumes and that kind of stuff.
1: Unbelievable. Uh,
2: I mean, and and like you're saying like this is a uh, 16 million people watching it on a paid subscription service, not on ABC. Right. But, I mean like they're, they maybe they are able to spend a little bit more money here and there because of of their service on sets and that, but the fact that they're flying to Ireland to film these, this the show and that kind of stuff like it's, you can't hate on it. Uh, it's for me, it's really just a matter of finding enough time to watch four or five episodes in a row and kind of really get the flow of it.
1: It's their attention to detail and they're spending the extra money on that detail that has made it the, the highest rated show, uh, the highest rated opening, highest rated, this highest rated that of all time of any show on, on television. Uh, Right. This last step. I mean, it's there's that's the reason why if, it, if it's cost them an extra two million dollars to film this episode, they don't care because they're making it all back. You know, if they cost them an extra two million in costume and and building a set and flying all of their staff and all of their this and all their that over to Ireland just to to film, you know, even five different sections of a a single episode, and then fly them back, even if they don't want to do anything else. It's that attention to detail that has made the show what it is it's it's that going the extra mile and investing the extra money into it and uh, maybe for you uh, see we're in season seven now and it's in season seven is only expected to be like like eight episodes and then next uh, season eight is only supposed to be like six episodes or something like something like that those aren't exact numbers but there's only supposed to be like a total of 14 or 15 episodes total going further over the next two seasons. And then the show's over. So maybe the best bet for you is wait till the entire series is complete and sit down and watch, you know, just power through from exactly, season yeah. one until it's done instead of, you know, powering through and getting to up, up to, you know, season seven, and saying, okay, now I got to wait. Until the next episode, and then I gotta wait. Right, right. I don't ever do that. There's only this is the only show where I sit down and watch weekly. The only reason I have HBO now or HBO Go, wherever the hell they call their streaming service, is for this series. That's it. I pay that monthly fee for this and this alone. There's nothing else that I watch on there at all because I don't watch weekly TV. I just don't. When it's when a series is or when a season is complete, I sit down and I binge. That's why Netflix is awesome. Stranger Things is going to be out in a couple months.
2: Oh, I saw that trailer this morning, and I got so excited. Oh
1: my god, I cannot wait for the next season of Stranger Things.
2: I mean, I watched that show like so, like hearing things about it, watched it, and me and Kara, like we we finished that that sucker in no time. And the trailer for season two almost, almost looks better than the entire first season was. And that, I mean, that says something. Like for three minutes to look better than twelve episodes to me, I and mean, I, I, I just hope that it's not one of those things that it just ends up being almost identical to the first season and just it's an eh kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I really hope that they're able to build off their momentum.
1: That was so good. That that show came out of absolutely nowhere. It was completely unique. It was a hundred percent original. It just, it was. I I don't know who developed it or who thought of it but it was it was a breath of fresh air to me because it wasn't like everything else that we see too much of what we see on TV is just like everything else it's factory right. made it's it comes out you know it's a clone That's
2: exactly exactly you know,
1: this was so unique it was so different and that made it so and on top of the fact even if it wasn't it was just so good so good the kid I mean, the, the person, child actors doing
2: something right
1: the child actors were phenomenal, oh, I know that was like, unbelievable
2: I mean, I mean uh, a couple weeks ago when she was in Windsor, Kara uh, her sister told her to watch the o a and oh. I had heard a lot about it, but I never but and I wanted to watch it, but just never got around to it. so Kara ended up watching the whole show with her sister, and she comes back to says, "You have to watch this, and so we're watching it, and all of a sudden I am like, I'm like, how is Netflix putting out stranger things? they're putting out the o a even shows like like The Ranch, I which I enjoy. Uh-huh. Uh I mean, these are just shows that you don't see on TV, and the premises seem so simple, but it's like instead of these you know writers coming up with something new, they rather just recycle something from the fifties and sixties right. and put it up today.
1: Yeah, that's been a, a commonplace lately for for all of TV and and movies. Find something that was awesome. 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years ago, rehash it, put some better CGI and, yep. you know, call it new.
2: Or even and something that really pisses me off. It's I, 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 like, you know, uh, Will and Grace Roseanne, mm-hmm. all these shows that are now coming back. And it's like, why? Like you were the show ended. It was great. It was, like it was you had your run. You, you ended 15 years ago. Plus, why come back now? Yeah, I, I'm reading the, this preview for Roseanne, and John Goodman's going to be in it. He's dead. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, it's going to be interesting how they're going to work him in. Is it going to be just, like, memories of him or whatever? And I'm reading this article and says they're going to completely ignore the storyline of John Goodman's character, of Dan, Dan dying. Really? Like, well, so you basically have to watch up to, was it nine seasons? Or eight, whatever, Before they won the lottery? Yeah, so you have to watch to, to where Darlene gets married, and he has the heart attack in the woods. And that ends season eight, I want to say. Then that final season, you have to pretend it never actually existed.
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> because, I mean, that whole, that whole last season, if you haven't watched it, like, whatever, it's terrible. Like, you could tell something. Like, in one episode, Roseanne's on a train fighting terrorists. And like Kara and I were like, "Is this really happening?" Like, <laughs> uh, we, we went back. We watched the whole series about four or five years ago.
1: Oh my god! And we were just
2: mind blowing But and then it, you wait for that last. I mean, knowing what was going to happen, it made a whole lot more sense to me watching that last season. I'm like, but oh, I mean, I mean, hell, one of the characters is actually dead from a heroin overdose. First like, so I mean, you're not going to see uh, Becky's husband in the show. Like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he died about 15 years ago of a heroin overdose. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's not going to be in the show, but someone who actually died on the show will be in it.
1: So it's good. Be... Well, what about the two Beckys? How's that going to work?
2: Oh, yeah, because I forgot about them uh, having two different... Yeah, it's like, ugh. Right? This is why shows that end need to just end. Like, Jerry Seinfeld said it perfectly. When he was asked about revamping Seinfeld and bringing it back for a couple episodes, Why? Show's over. We did what we wanted to do. Why would we come back for more? Yeah. I, I, I sound like, thank you. That's what, that's as a, what, a, as a fan, I want to hear. I don't need to see Married with Children coming back. No. I don't need to see, uh, you know, Buffy coming back. Like, they had their run. It's over.
1: Now it's done. Move on. Like, Try something
0: new. Like,
2: like, if you want to talk about a show coming back, it's kind of like the Sopranos idea where they did a season, then they took a year and a half off, and then they came back. The show was still in its run. And Sopranos now, they're not all of a sudden going to come back 10 years later and the Sun is not running the Empire. There's no need for that.
1: Right. Yeah, that's... you know, I, I'm I am i wasn't... A, I mean, we watched Roseanne here in the house. Uh, I, I can't say I was a big fan, but I can't say I, did, I hated the show either when it was on. But once they got to the lottery winning and the, and the other stuff, I turned off. I, I tuned out. You know, when Dan was gone, I was gone. But I remember my yeah. favorite episode is when they found the weed.
2: Yes. That, me and <laughs> Kara watched that episode. And I, I, I told Kara, like, "There's, gonna, there's gonna, we're gonna, that's going to happen to us one day. Her sister and I going to come and visit us. The kids are going to be gone. We're going to be, like, in our, you know, our late 40s or something. And we're going to stumble across it, something somewhere. <laughs> and, and we're going to be just sitting in the bathroom, eating cake, freaking out. <laughs> and my sister-in-law is going to be sitting in the bathtub, and we're just going to hear this noise. And like, I'm like, that has to happen in our future. We need to somehow figure out a way for that to happen. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. That one, that one was really good. I loved that one. That was outstanding.
2: What, every, and I mean, if there's any big knock on this show, when they won the lottery, mm-hmm. why did they stay in that house? Why didn't <laughs> Why didn't they try to upgrade? <laughs>
1: I have no freaking
2: idea. I mean... Like, well, like, you don't have to, like, buy a mansion, but move to the other side of the tracks, at least.
1: They always talk shit about how I hated the house or whatever, the house was garbage, or, you know, they, yeah. they, I mean, and then they they win this lottery. They win all this hundreds or whatever million dollars, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we've, we've always wanted to live in, in a better place, and we've always wanted to have better things, but, ah, fuck it, we're staying.
2: Yeah, exactly, like... Brilliant. I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, and, then, and then, of course, it all comes full, full circle when you find out that, that they didn't win the lottery and that she's actually just been writing on the typewriter that she got in season
1: two. Oh, good God. Uh, what can you do? I'm not I mean, looking forward to it. I think it's going to fizzle out after maybe a season. They might push it two seasons just because, but I think this little experiment of Roseanne is going to fizzle. And be just a horribly failed experiment.
2: Yeah, definitely. And this is and this goes back to why shows need to end and just move. I mean, like, like, un- like unless uh, George Martin writes seven more Game of Thrones books down the line, and they're able to turn it into like a, a TV movie somewhere, cool, do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When Game of Thrones ends. I'm hoping that in like 20 years they all of a sudden sign on with Hulu
1: and try to do something else and, and run, re- rehash it with yeah. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh well, I mean, brother, we've had a we've had a hell of a show here. I got to get out of here. I got some stuff I got to go handle. The Sandy Corley Memorial Run is done and over with. Out here in uh, Muskegon, they had Lita Ford They had uh, Friday night. They had Skid Row last night. They had also had Bad Company come in. They had a successful weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing their numbers and see how much they, they got in for the American Cancer Society.
2: I wonder if uh, if Uncle Joey was there, if, uh, if Bad Company was there. Uncle Joey loves himself in Bad Company.
1: If he was going to be there, I would definitely yeah, have known.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And if he would have been there, we wouldn't have had a show last night.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's, it's it's too bad that uh, you know. I, well, one, I don't have a passport, but two, that uh, I only found out reason, uh, Thursday night about Skid Row being there because I would yeah. have loved to go see Sebastian Bach and you know talk model trains with them.
1: Unfortunately, this version of Skid Row was the second string, no Bach.
2: Oh, what? oh okay. yeah, it was oh. the
1: it was the traveling Skid Row. It was the the charity Skid Row. It was whatever you want to call it, Skid Row. There was no Bach on this one. He was, he's, oh, okay. he they save him for the. The stadium shows and uh they had the guy that they have that does that i forget his name he's played with us before but he is absolutely phenomenal he is okay fantastic he does absolute wonders it's not Bach, but he is god he is amazing he is absolutely incredible and he's a hell of a nice guy and he puts on an amazing show and everyone loves him around here but it's not so bad i mean it's it's skid it's still skid row he's sanctioned by Bach. he's he's you know he's uh He's got Sebastian's blessing. He's he works under the banner. I mean, Sebastian's still Skid Row. He still owns the copyrights and all that stuff. So this guy is not right, like yeah. you know. He didn't jump in and steal the spot or anything. He's he's working. He's just he's working for Skid Row. So he's a great guy and he's a he's a hell of a singer. But just it's I've I've seen them before and it's 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 a they do a great job. You know, and they're doing it for charity too. So what can you say?
2: Yeah, and it's a good cause, right? Like American American Cancer Cancer Society.
1: Society. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We any
2: any any time that uh, any I mean, it does even if it's one member of a band showing up uh, with like just even locals. Hey, Mm -hmm. come jam with me. We're gonna do some stuff for charity. Anything that can make money for that kind of stuff. I mean, it's always it's a great cause. It's good. I love hearing like that. There are people willing to take their time out and go to small cities just because they're trying to to raise money for something and they're willing to to take time out of their schedule to go and perform, to try to help them raise as much money as as they can.
1: Yeah. uh, Everything that they raise is for the American Cancer Society. Most specifically, it goes to a local center called the Johnson Family Cancer Center that is in town. They take care of everyone around town and, and, Anywhere in Michigan or out of state, anyone that requires it, uh, they take care of them. They do research for cancer. They try to find a cure, and everything. every penny that we raise goes towards that because cancer is the most ugly and horrible disease right now, and we need to stamp it out and stomp it out. So um, 29 years they've been doing this, donated millions of dollars to try to fight cancer and help people get the chemo the the therapy the medicine and everything else they need when they can't afford it so this is the absolutely phenomenal thing that my family and my friends do every single year for almost thirty years now
2: awesome I'm That's very proud bear. of them
1: very very proud of everything that they do so I'm gonna go try to help get some stuff cleaned up I'm gonna try to go help them in any way that I can being the in the situation that I'm at I can't do a lot without you know breaking more bones in my jaw, and my jaws and my jaw starting fucking hurt so we're going to get the hell out of here, man. And, uh, right on. How much longer have you got? Uh, your, your family comes home Tuesday, you said?
2: Yeah, Tuesday. So, I mean, I won't see them today. I won't see them tomorrow. I go to work my, uh, on Tuesday, and they come home Tuesday. So I won't be seeing them probably until uh, I get home around 8.30 on the clock on Tuesday night. So it's, uh, you know, with, they, we were talking about last night after we were done recording, I don't mind being home alone yeah I get I get things done that I couldn't get done if I was you know, playing with Carla I yeah, don't like, don't get me wrong I love playing with my kids and all that and I love hanging with my family but being able to get tasks done things fixed things clean that I can't normally do I love so that they can come home and things look just a little bit nicer but uh, being home alone this time sucks because I don't have my best friend with me and it's another one of those eerie things you don't realize. How much a dog means to you until you come home and there's an empty house and there's not even like a tail wagon on the floor. Yeah. But it's life and uh, you know, I still give Kara and Carla a phone call. I still talk to them so I'm not completely alone.
1: There you go, brother. Alright, man. For Ryan Dempsey, this is David Van Booglen and it's another Not a Podcast podcast where it's everything and nothing at the same time. We had a great time today and we hope you guys did too. Let us know how you liked it and we will see you next time.
0: in competition when the war that's their mission not no mercy see the race like the street if you don't know you better find out the world path